Hi, and welcome to The Optimist Chronicles, your emotional safe space to be to explore and be who you are and feel all your feelings. I'm your host, Anna Marie Green, clinical therapist, emotional wellness coach, and soul-led optimist, here to bring you all the topics and conversations to help you become more of yourself and see life in a more positive view. Let's get to it. Hi, and welcome back to The Optimist Chronicles. I don't have any new offers for you guys this week, mostly because I'm kind of in this period of transitioning where I am, I still have like offers available, but I'm kind of figuring out where my next move is, what I want to offer based off of these new skills and these new, um, gifts that I have discovered about myself. And so over the course of the next month or so, I'll be playing around with different things, but um, I have nothing to, for you to sign up for today. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a couple different things. Um, I wouldn't say there's necessarily like one theme, but it's really more of what I felt, um, compelled to share or not compelled, but, um, you know, I felt called to share some of this information. And so the first topic that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite things to talk about is anxiety. And also, you know, along with that more general is just like some of these conditions that we, we really, um, we demonize in, in today's society as being these like things that are wrong with us, things that are like flaws, all that kind of stuff. And anxiety is, is one of them, but just really talking about, like the reframe of it and how like reframing it can really empower you. So we're going to talk about that and then kind of like trickling out from there. I am going to be talking about when we use movement to help us cope with really overwhelming, really big emotions, the difference between using movement to feel and using movement to numb. Because movement in general is a very powerful tool that we can use in helping us to ground while we're experiencing these really big emotions that make us feel like out of control, like like we're going to burst out of our bodies, you know, where our, our soul is just having a very, you know, physical reaction. <laughs> um, and because, and, it, and I tell clients all the time, I'm like, movement is such a powerful, powerful transitional like tool to help you move emotions through you so that they don't get stuck so that you can move forward that kind of thing but what I found for uh, clients but also for myself is that sometimes we use movement much more as a way to numb as opposed to feel Um, and I felt called to share this when I was actually running the other day and I was thinking about this song the song came up on my playlist and I listened to it a lot the year following um, my ex-partner's death, um, and so and I and it really took me back to that headspace that I was in, and how I was kind of I you know I was thinking you know oh I'm doing this to like help me help myself, um, but it was really looking back on it. I wasn't using movement the way that I really could. 
So we're going to get into that in a little bit of more detail. And I'm going to share some tips with you guys on like how to be conscious on whether or not your movement, you're using movement in a way that is going to help you emotionally, or if it's really just like another way to kind of numb out pain or, or emotions. So I hope that uh, you enjoy it. There might be like sprinkles of other things in there. I'm really approaching today's episode is just very like kind of free flowing and what I feel called to share. Um, it's my daughter's birthday tomorrow. So I have like lots of um, stuff, you know, to do. So I'm, I'm not putting as much pressure on myself to have as much of a structured episode today. And also next week episode, next week's episode, which will be released on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, I'm going to be interviewing one of my absolute like favorite uh, mentors. She's just so inspiring to me. Her name is Chelsea Jewell, and we are gonna have our we have our interview on Monday. I'm excited. This is my first like guest that I'm recording that is going like understands and wants their voice to be recorded because as you know with my pop-up he was like wait I don't want my voice to be on it um so I'm really really excited we're having a fun topic we're going to be talking about you know accepting change and really stepping into who you are you know taking the road um less traveled by that kind of stuff all the fun things you know that we want to learn about when it comes to identity and all that kind of stuff but let's get into today's episode. So as many of you may know, one my like bread and butter of what I do, um, I really focus on anxiety. It's, it's the main kind of topic area that I like to work with. I, um, the issue that my clients face the most. And so whenever I have a new client, whether it's therapy or coaching, but especially my coaching clients and you know, I'm, I'm asking them to describe what they're experiencing, the history of it, um, how long, what it looks like, what it feels like, all that kind of stuff. And they're talking about their anxiety. A lot of times, one of the things that I find happening most often is that people are coming to me and they're like, I cannot live my life because I am stuck having anxiety. Like I'm tired of something being wrong with me. Um, I'm tired of my anxiety ruling my life and I feel like I have no control or I just feel stuck in this like ter- like this terrible mindset, this terrible condition, and it's impacting my relationships and my work and just me even enjoying life to some, sometimes where people are so anxious and they feel so trapped by their anxiety that they even will start to exhibit signs of depression, um, like lack of motivation, kind of hopelessness, helplessness, all that kind of stuff because it's so intense. It's become so physical. It's become so debilitating. And I actually had a client today who was like, I don't understand the benefits of talk therapy. She was like, I just want someone to tell me exactly what to do, exactly how to reframe every single thing. Like I want the exact instructions. I don't want to talk about stuff. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to do that. Like I don't need to talk about stuff. I just need the exact instructions. And my, and I, my thing I told her, I was like, girl, we we all want that. That is if everyone could just go in and be like, this is just give me an exact thing. Um, very generalized and whatever. You're right. There would be no reason for talk therapy. 
And, and for some, some people, you can get a more general, like there are books or there, you know, self-help books, there are workshop worksheets and workshops. And, um, you know, you might be able to just take tips that you see online and people talking about a professional's kind of giving generalized public tips that works for some people, but usually for those people that it works with, there's some level of like, not improvement, but like they've already kind of been working on stuff. And so it's a little bit easier to use the general stuff because they know how to apply it within their own lives. The reason that talk therapy or one-to-one coaching, even group work is so important and so beneficial is because all of our brains work very differently. We may, you and I may be exhibiting the same symptoms. You know, we might both be very anxious to the point where we're worrying constantly and we're not able to connect to somebody or connect to other people because we're just inside of our own heads all the time. We may be exhibiting the same types of things, but the root cause of what is making me do this and making you do this is going to be completely different. And so reframes, cognitive reframes or... um you know, even the way, like how you're going to show up and deal with, with the anxiety to help understand what it's trying to tell you to help understand like why certain things are happening is going to look very, very different for a plethora of reasons, you know, environment support systems, but also just the experiences in general. And so you can't say that, oh, I just want you know, I just want a, a one fix shop. Like, it's just like, here's, I'm here, I'm in the one session and then I want all of my answers. <laughs> um, and for some people that may work for certain topics, you know, one of the, the offers that I have, um, the bad habit breakup, you meet one session, we do all these things and I give you a four week plan. But even that, that's just focusing on one like issue. So like one habit that you're having. Um, and I still, I don't usually recommend that to everyone. It, it takes a certain level of, you know, I've done some of the inner work. I've done some of the, the, the healing or, um, and stuff before for me to actually like recommend it to, to people because a lot of times we need that extra support. We need someone else to be able to kind of talk things through, help us reframe things. And, you know, that kind of brought me into thinking about how most of us think of our emotions as a thing that's wrong with us or an inconvenience, um, something that's distracting us from like work or physical goals that we, even though we're like, oh, I want this goal because this will make me happy. This will make me feel something. But then we spend the rest of our time while we're trying to work towards this goal, disconnecting from our emotions. We can't let any emotion distract us from wanting to get happy. And then when we get there, you know, if if we get there, um, we're, we're wondering why this didn't fill our bucket, why we're not happy, why it doesn't feel quite the way that we thought it was going to feel, but you've spent years, decades, ignoring and numbing your emotions and viewing your emotions as the enemy, as, as a, as an inconvenience, as a burden, as, as a weakness, you know, for, for many 
people, they view emotional responses as like a sign of weakness or um, something that is embarrassing. But our emotions are what make us alive and they're how our soul physically experiences the, like our physical life. Like, And they're very important. It's um, my favorite and like analogy to use little story to help people truly understand the importance of feeling your feelings. The importance of our emotions is imagine living your life. And I might've said this on like the first episode or something like that. Like I said, favorite analogy, but imagine living your life in a black and white movie or like only seen in black and white and gray. It's not that you're not living life. It's not that you you aren't aware of what's going on. It's, you're still, you, you know, and you might, you, you see things and, and, and whatever. But then imagine waking up one day after years and years and years of only seeing in black and white and saying, this is just how it is. This is just how it is. Like you wake up and you see everything in color, blues, yellows, reds, greens, purples, orange, and it's all different shades. First of all, it would be overwhelming. Our brain would be flooded with new information and A, we'd be super tired. <laughs> um, that's why newborns sleep all the time. They're taking all this shit in for the first time. It would be, un- it would be uncomfortable. It would, you wouldn't, it would kind of like, your brain would be like, I don't understand. And it might even want to go back to seeing things in black and white because there's so much newness. That is what it is like when you connect with your emotions, when you unlock this emotional side that you've been burying down for the first time in a while or in in decades. You know, I have a lot of clients who haven't connected with their emotions in decades. And so whenever you're like, oh, I have that pesky feeling of sadness or, you know, anger or fear or whatever it is before you go and insult it and try to shut it down remember that our emotions are colors of the soul it's the way our soul is seeing the world is experiencing the world and emotions are are just the colors that we that we feel that the way our souls the way our souls see um and it is just a really beautiful thing. And it's not that you weren't living before. It's not that it was even wrong before when you were seen in black and white, living life in black and white. But feeling our feelings adds color. It just brings us to a new level of vibrancy, a new way of living and existing and just feeling alive. And so I wanted to to make that point again, if I haven't made it before in other episodes, because I really, if there's anything that you take from my podcasts or working with me or talking to me or my social media posts, if there's one thing that I absolutely want to communicate, it is that your anxiety, your anxiousness is not your enemy. It is not out to get you. It is not there to stop you from living a happy life. It's actually there to do the opposite. It is there to enhance your life. It is there to protect you, to protect your soul, the essence of who you are, because that's how important you are. You're so important that your 
body and your brain will protect your soul, your authentic, beautiful self in any way it can. It will protect yourself physically, yes, but emotionally as well. And so I really want you guys to stop viewing anxiety as this thing that is wrong with you. It's holding you back from reaching all of your dreams. Anxiety is there to tell you like, hey, we're not, uh, we may not be on the right path or there's something that we're not dealing with that is holding us back, that is making us feel unsafe, you know, especially when there's a lot that we haven't dealt with that we have been avoiding dealing with. We have lots of emotions that are kind of like shoved to the side, shoved way, way back in there because trauma happens. Life is challenging for each of us in our own ways. And when we are pushing that down, blocking that out, it is A, trapping the emotion inside of us. So then we are making choices and creating a life based off of being in that survival mode in that moment in which the emotion got trapped and from that emotion. So if you felt fear, felt unloved, felt rejected, felt um, angry or sad or hurt at some point in your life and you held on to that as opposed to, to facing that emotion and moving through it, that is the part of you, the past version of yourself that's making choices, that's creating the life that's in front of you. And Anxiety is really, so this is kind of how anxiety, I guess, like coexists with us, right? And how it protects us. We experience something that feels like a threat to us, that feels like we're in danger, doesn't make us feel safe, doesn't make our souls feel safe existing. So, and, and so our bodies go into like, we need to just survive. So anxiety is like, no, no problem. I got you. We're Gucci. Say less. I'm a, I'm a deal with this right now. And our anxiety takes over and it, it puts us in a survival state. Um, it's very like hyper aware. It's focused on protecting. It's protecting that soul self. So that soul self doesn't get destroyed, doesn't get, you know, um, like bullied out, like bullied, changed, whatever. Um, is, is just super protected. So, and that's where, you know, this is where the anxiety languages comes in. But they, so the anxiety is like, I got it. We're Gucci. And... Um, and then it's like, but I'm going to take over. I'm going to take over for now. But just so you know, you got to come, you got to circle back and deal with these feelings. Like this, I'm not a long-term solution. I'm, I'm temporary protection. It's got to be, the threat's got to be dealt with. It's got to be zeroed in. And what we don't realize, because what we're not taught, we're not taught as anxiety is something that is helpful, trying to teach us, trying to show us where we need to focus in on or heal. We, we move on we're like, Oh, I'm fine now. It's fine. You know, I'm, I'm no longer crying. I'm no longer sobbing. I don't feel like I'm falling apart completely. So that must mean I'm completely healed and recovered. And then we just kind of, we just let anxiety lead. We're like, okay, it's like, like, cool, 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 cool. Like, and the anxiety is making our decisions and it's, and it's, then it's starting to work in overdrive. Cause now it's really, we're just existing off of this and we're leaning into it and we're leaning into it and anxiety is getting tired and exhausted and burnt out. And it's also trying to let you know, like, Hey, just a reminder, there is some baggage back here that needs to be removed. That needs to be moved because I'm tired. 
I'm tired of driving. Like, you need to switch. <laughs> and, but we don't realize that. We just think of it as like, oh, this is just anxiety again. Like, this is just, you know, I'm, and anxiety starts to become physical and it also starts reacting in small things all the time because it's working over, over time. It's, it's overextended. It's burnt out. It's, we're not meant to live from a place of anxiety. We're not meant to live from a place of fear and survival. So then we're, we're thinking, oh, anxiety is my problem. Like that's my problem. That's why, you know, I, I can't truly be happy. Um, but anxiety is just like, please like give me a rest. It's, it's just trying to protect us. So it's reacting to anything and everything that seems like a threat, even though at first it might've not been that way, it'll, it gets, you know, worse and worse, the less we deal with it. Um, so (laughs) this is all of this is to say that when you are ready, when you are ready and open to feel your feelings and and you feel open to not needing something to blame, right? Because that's another thing is like having anxiety as our enemy let gives us something to blame for the way that our, our life is or, you know, that we aren't in maybe in a place where we want to be. Um, it gives us something that, again, doesn't force us to look at ourselves, um, and face the kind of scary things in our own closets and our own, our shadow self or, or that kind of stuff. Um, but when you are ready and you're ready to take the next step of reframing your anxiety and hopefully by the end of, you know, that process feeling like anxiety is actually your friend. In in the book I'm writing, um, one of the chapters is like, anxiety, your new best friend or your new BFF. And it's true because when you're able to reframe it and you're not seeing it as this thing like you have to avoid and you just have to do anything to, to get rid of it, to numb it, to like push it out, then you're able to really move in a way that is empowering and it's creating this life that maybe you didn't even imagine that you could have. Um, because anxiety, like once we learn how to communicate with it, we learn our languages, we learn, you know, when it's popping up, we, we learn that it's trying to protect us. Then we're like, okay, skirts, stop the train, stop the car. I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling like I can be myself something is making me feel like make my soul feel afraid or, or make my soul kind of withdraw. And that gives you the opportunity to decide what is needed next. Do you need a change of scenery? Do you need to put in more boundaries? Do you need to do like, how are you going to show up for yourself to make your, to make it a safe space again so that you're continuing on this path of, you know, soul evolution and emotional, um, emotional growth and healing, and you're not going to get stuck in, in an emotion anymore. You know, you're not going to just like bypass something that truly doesn't make you feel safe. It also is going to help you from choosing things out of a place of fear and like having a life where you're just like, Oh, this isn't really satisfying for me, or this isn't really the life that I wanted. Um, but that can be hard to accept. You know, it can be hard to 
to frame it that way because a lot of times we are very, very attached to, to the things that we think we want. Um, and so I just want you to have that space, to feel that way, to understand anxiety in that way. It's not trying to, to harm you. Um, it's not out to get you and it's not for all things. It is not something that's wrong with you. It does not mean you're crazy. You're not crazy. And this goes for all of your emotions, by the way, you are never crazy. You are never like being over dramatic. If anything, you're have if you're having a big reaction to something that you would otherwise consider like not a big deal, there's something else at play. There's another emotion that's stuck that isn't being dealt with, that isn't being um, expressed. It isn't being allowed to be moved through you and, and moved beyond. And so then because that emotion is stuck and it like builds anytime that anything close to it, like, or feels like a similar situation that you dealt with, even if it just mildly like pokes it or, or just brushes up against it, you're having this big reaction. Um, I always tell people like the phrase, like crying over spilt milk, some other shit went on (laughs) with that person who cried over spilt milk. It wasn't even just the milk. It was something way deeper than that. So always remember that when you're trying to face your emotions, when you are, you know, trying to, to figure out kind of what's going on. So now to jump into the next topic, and that is the movement to feel versus movement to numb. I, this, so this came up for me to share with you guys on this, on this week's podcast episode the other day, I think it was like Sunday and I was out for a quick run. Um, I'm getting like, I'm starting running training again because I decided I'm going to run a marathon in 2023. I don't know which one yet. I think New York, but I'm also thinking maybe like London or something. I don't know. (laughs) I'll commit to it when I'm ready. But, um, so I was running and a song came on and I was immediately, so it was on my, my running playlist and I don't know if, if you guys have seen the new Aladdin, but it's the harvest dance song that they do in the new Aladdin where like they're dancing and it's like super colorful and beautiful. And, um, and anyway, so that song came on and I was immediately kind of taken back to re- like remembering and, and almost like observing myself to when I was running to that song in the very, very beginning when my partner at the time passed away. So for those that don't know, in 2019, my daughter's father committed suicide and, um, it was a really hard time for me. And that was the first song that I had turned on after finding out that he had passed away. So I'd found out around nine PM, uh, I got a phone call from his mom and I didn't really sleep that night. I think I ended up like exhaustedly falling to sleep around like two. And then I, and I didn't, I wouldn't really consider what, what I was in sleeping. Um, 
And then I got up at like five or five fifteen, and I was like, well, I don't know what to do with myself. So I'm going to go on a run. And like, that was the first song that came on. And I remember I put it on a loop because I couldn't deal with lyrics. I just couldn't. I was like, the, it's too much. Um, and I, and the run, I think I did like two to three miles. I don't remember. There's like a specific loop. I do it in my parents' neighborhood. And I, I sprinted. And if you know me, I hate sprinting with a burning, fiery passion. I am not a fast runner. I can run forever, but I'm not a fast runner. And I dislike sprints. I've disliked them since volleyball in high school. Um, but I sprinted until I could not breathe. And... Yeah, um, it was real. I mean, it was really painful. Um, but so that needless the story is just to say is that is when I was remembering this and, and reflecting on it, I was thinking to myself, I was like, that is an example of running or, or moving your body to numb as opposed to feel. So at that point I was not running for the sake of like grounding myself in my feelings to really like reflect on my feelings. I was running to not feel anything anymore. I wanted to make my body physically hurt so that I didn't emotion to numb out the emotional hurt and the emotional pain I was experiencing at the time. Um, and I, I felt called to share this because I know that I have a, like, I have a lot of clients who like the, finding that balance is important, right? Because we can work out and we're like, oh yeah, it's making me feel good. It's making me feel good. But if we're doing it to an extent where then like, we're not connecting with the more painful, with the, with the deeper, the, the more upsetting like emotions or past things, then it's, it's being misused and then you're creating this unhealthy relationship with exercising, with moving to now it's kind of this, like, it's this, it's this tool that you're using to numb, which, you know, if you listen to uh, the second podcast episode, that is the uh, language of like number as an anxiety language. Um, but it's also something that can just happen as like a coping mechanism in general. So, um, and, and part of the issue of using, anything to numb our feelings is that it's not truly, it's not like when you numb it, it's, it's doesn't go away. It's, um, it's just building in the background. And then what you'll find is that you have to do more and more or more frequently of that thing in order to get the same, like to numb it out. Um, so another example of that is during that same, you know, he passed away in May um, and then I went back to grad school in August and that October, I think like two weeks before the half marathon, I was like, I'm just going to run a half marathon. I just, I want something to work towards 
or maybe like it was like a month before the marathon, there's the Hershey half marathon. And I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. You know, I need something to focus on as if I didn't have enough. I was in grad school and I had, I had two part-time jobs and I was working on like a side business and all like research project. I was, I was busy. (laughs) Um, but I was running to not feel, I was trying not to feel. And that at that point I also joined a CrossFit gym. Like your girl was doing anything and everything to numb the feelings out, to focus on any other, to focus on anything else but my grief. And what ended up happening is eventually I, I had a breakdown, like it built up and I had to do more and more and more and more just to numb out the same things. And that's when we start to get into levels that like, yeah, things become dangerous. Like, and all of a sudden you, you're not really recognizing yourself and your, your physical body will get burnt out using it in this way. Um, and your emotions will still be there and they'll just seep out in other ways. Like, I'm pretty sure that during that time when I would drink, I was, I would cry and I, I'm not really a, uh, well, I am a crier, but I never used to cry when I was drunk. (laughs) Um, I was just really competitive (laughs) and a bit of a flirt. And I pretty sure I would always like end up sobbing. Um, so like they end up coming up and coming out in different ways. And that's what we kind of had to like remember. So on the other side of that movement can be very therapeutic and very, very helpful. I recommend it to clients. I recommend it to coaching clients, their therapy clients, um, even clients who, well, not clients, but, um, people who I have given chakra readings to a lot of times, some of the advice to help move energy and to heal, um, past traumas and that kind of stuff it has movement integrated into it. It's movement is very, very powerful, whether it's dancing or it's running or it's yoga, um, or even just like writing, which is a form of grounding it. What it does is it takes the energy of the emotion and it makes it physical. So it's bringing that experience, that soul expression and grounding it into your physical life and into your body, which helps it move through you and helps you to stay rooted, to stay grounded through the emotion. So you're not swept away with the emotion of it. Um, it's just, it's a, a way to, to help us feel more safe, to help us process what's going on. Um, and to even con- maybe like to even connect with what our soul is asking for with this emotional expression. So, and the way to, there's a couple things that you want to look for when, using movement as a way to feel. So the first thing that's very important is when you're using movement to intentionally connect and ground through an emotion, you want to hold the emotion and sit with it. So you want to sit with it first and then, um, and then go into the movement. I really recommend if you haven't really done this before, or you have struggled with like using movement or exercise to numb that you start with a slower activity than like running or like 
doing sprints on the Peloton bike or whatever, um, I recommend starting with like yoga or stretching. That has been a really powerful tool for me, um, is the slowing down and the patience that is required with stretching. So what you're going to want to do is sit with the emotion and then like notice where you're feeling it in your body and focus your movement on that area. So if you feel it in your stomach doing some like, I think they're, um, cobra stretches or like different stretches that kind of stretch the, the front part of your body. You can tell that I'm medically inclined. Um, and, and hold on to that feeling. So like feel the feeling in the entire, like start where, wherever you're feeling it, but then let it spread out to your whole body. And it's even okay to think about what happened, um, or what you're struggling with as you're stretching. And so like, as you're stretching, you maybe like want to change positions or like rock back and forth. Um, if you're doing dancing, like just really keeping your body moving and keeping yourself and your emotion connected to the body. And that is going to help it like move through you. So a lot of times, especially with dancing, what, um, clients and myself have found is that you'll start with this emotion and you'll feel it and you'll be dancing and moving and like moving it. And it might like transform into another emotion. And that is a very, very good sign because a lot of times when we're emotionally processing something, it's, it'll go start, it'll start from one place and it kind of like goes through the range of things before we end up with like, okay, I'm at peace with it. Or like, I'm, it's not being held into my body. So, and that happens a lot with like anger will kind of like dwindle down to like sad, vulnerable, um, that kind of thing. Like you'll see it kind of transition, especially for those protective emotions such as anger. Um, so really like holding onto it for the sake of the movement and then letting it kind of move out and, and stuff like that. Um, and another thing is that these activities like if you feel yourself holding back from like crying by focusing on like the movement, then you're doing it wrong. When you are connecting to an emotion and grounding it, having a physical reaction such as crying or like maybe you want to like yell, that is a good thing. That means that it's coming up. It's, it's truly like coming out through the body and when it comes, I know you're, we're not always in a place where we can like scream at the top of our lungs, but like, and it, I had a client who was like, I don't want to scream into my pillow. It feels silly. And I was like, it might feel silly, but like nobody's around. And how else are you going to get it out? Do you want to like scream out loud? <laughs> um, if your body is like, I want to scream, let it scream into a pillow, let it express itself. Otherwise you're saying, Oh, this emotion is silly. Oh, this, this, this expression is silly and it's almost a way of invalidating ourselves. So that is another thing to kind of help you use this as, as the tool that it is. And then another thing that you can do to always like up level it, just another, take it another step further is to journal afterwards while the emotions are fresh, while they've been moved you know, how did you feel? What came up? Did new things come up for you? You know, I'm always going to advocate for journaling. Journaling is such a like magnificent 
wonderful thing to do when it comes to our emotional health and healing, like, and even just like creating the life that we want and co-creating journaling is so, so good. I need to get better at journaling. I just have a million and one notebooks and I, and I write so much when I finally get writing, like I write a lot and I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to run out of space in my notebook. And then I have to, yeah, it's just a whole thing. But like it is when I journal so much and I always feel so much better and my clients always feel so much better. So journal, (laughs) um, and a fun little like thing about journaling is there are phases to journaling. You don't just like hop in and like talk about the hardest things in your life. Journaling, you can, you can do that, but it might feel very overwhelming. I always recommend starting off with just like, just start with like getting to know yourself. You know, I used to, when I was young, write letters to Mr. Darcy. I was a very big Pride and Prejudice fan. And I would write letters like, dear Mr. Darcy, today my family did this, this, and this. And, you know, my ex-boyfriend, I think, cause I think I started, I don't remember what age I was when I started writing to him, but I was definitely writing to him my senior year in high school. And I remember one of the entries was just like, I'm starting to think that I'll never find you or that you're not actually out there. Like all of these boys are just so disappointing and blah, 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 blah. Very, ugh, my freaking mom and my sister read them to me. The, the, like, I think it was last year. They're going through my stuff because my mom was trying to clean house. She's like, got to get rid of this, this stuff. Got to like put it away. Got to organize my mom's quarterly reorganization of her house. And she was like, oh, look at this journal. And they like read stuff. And I was like, oh God, stop reading that. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so there are phases, you know, always get to know yourself, get to know what your emotions are like. A lot of times the first prompt I give people is just like, start with, I feel this when this happens, just like a sentence or two, see how it feels. It's not as daunting if you're just like, I'm just going to write a sentence down or two sentences. Um, and they're like, Oh yeah. But then I started and I couldn't stop. Like, yes, exactly. And that's actually how it's going to feel too. When you start using movement to feel your feelings, you're going to feel like, so like enlightened and like empowered and just like, Oh, I just want to like keep moving this like until I feel like I've hit a place of, of stopping or peace, peacefulness. Um, and that's what I want for you. That's, that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that like now all my problems are solved. No, it still takes consistently, you know, showing up and facing your emotions. And we humans are like ogres. There are layers. So a lot of times we're like, okay, we worked on this thing and then there might be another layer to something. And that's okay. Like, I think a big thing that that people think is like, okay, I did the thing. So now I shouldn't feel this way. Like I shouldn't feel emotions or I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have a problem with emotions again. Emotional health isn't a destination. It's not like, okay, I did the thing and now I I don't have to feel this way ever again. Living life is about having emotionally moving experiences, whether they are painful, whether they are exciting, whether they make us feel curious or adventurous. Like Life is all about having an emotional experience. That is literally what the human experience is about. And if you are going into something with the intention of like, okay, I don't want to ever feel this way again. 
then you're setting yourself up for blocking your, like even that in itself is blocking your emotional like your emotional healing because there's usually going to be a, another layer of things the difference is that now you're more equipped to deal with things and you're more in tune and connected to who you are so that your soul can take all of these lessons from these experiences that you have and create an even better, um, even more lively and vibrant life for yourself. And I think that's a really big part of this is, you know, instead of viewing it as like, okay, I want a medication. So that just fixes my problem. Your emotions aren't your problem. It's, it's not. Um, they are what make you a living, breathing unique human being, a unique soul and having this earthly experience. And once we can kind of make peace with that, all this other stuff like movement to feel it's, it works a lot better. It flows a lot better when we're not focusing on like, I don't want to feel this specific thing. You know, I think that there is a level of like, you know, especially for those of us who have struggled with self-esteem and self-identity, there is a level of getting to a place where like, I don't want to feel that way again. And that is okay because that's like, you're, you're moving on, you're upgrading, you're, you're gaining confidence, you're healing these past things. But it doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, you're never going to be insecure about something or you're never going to be like question, you know, oh, am I like doing the right thing or, or not even the right thing or you know, what's next for me. That's not what this is about, but it's about truly embodying your soul and allowing your soul to experience this life, not trying to hide it or control it, kind of surrendering to how your soul is choosing to interact with this physical world. And if you have not, I don't remember if it's on a story or not, but I think it is. Um, on my Instagram, I posted a video, I think last week where I talk about, um, some downloads some spiritual downloads I received where I connected to a couple different emotions and a, I essentially gave you guys what our soul is asking for by experiencing this emotion. The one that I was fascinated with, well, fascinated, but I thought was the most beautiful was sadness you know, cause a lot of times like with sadness, like it's a core, it's a basic emotion. So we don't, we're just like, Oh yeah, I feel sad. And like universally, we kind of know what that, the gist of that, but it, on an, I took it to another level of really, cause I do believe that our emotions are how our souls are communicating with us, communicating with the world around us. And when I connected to sadness, sadness as at its core was our soul adapting to processing change and asking for community, seeking out community. So sadness is actually our, you know, the way that we're adapting to change, but through like the way that we can do that is by seeking community. So, and I thought that was so beautiful and it really changed the way that I approached that emotion specifically, um, especially with my daughter where, you know, she's feeling sad or before I'd be like, why are you feeling sad? Like, what is so sad? What is so upsetting right now? You know, like, especially with her, like, if it's something where I, I want to stay up later or I want this. And I'm just like, no, like we talked about this. I explained it to you. I broke down the logical reasoning to why 
I have said no to this thing. And she's just sad about it. And before I would, I would get frustrated. I was like, geez, I just, I wish that these things were making you sad. Like there are other things in life that are, are, are sad. Um, cause you know, as a parent, you're just like, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, man. <laughs> um, and I would like take a step back and be like, I'm feeling frustrated. I just need like a second. And when I connected to, to sadness and I got this message of that's the soul is asking for community. It's asking for connection. It totally changed the way that I saw it. And now when my daughter's just like, I'm just feeling sad or she's, or she is exhibiting sadness. Now I actually just am like, come here, come give me a hug. Even if she's still sad about the thing, like she's still like, ah. And if you know her, that is definitely a thing that she does. Um, I just, I just hug her and I like let her know that I'm there and I give her that connection. I give her that community and it instantly, like instantly, it's like a, um, a remedy. Like she, she's soothed a little bit more and she like, it's almost like a reset. And for some kids that, you know, like we talk about like, in um, child psychology, like the importance of hugs and like um, physical comfort and all that kind of stuff. And even just for, for humans in general, but it did, it changed how I saw things. Like she's not trying to just get what she wants. She's asked, like her soul is asking for connection to adapt to whatever this changes or whatever she's experiencing internally. I don't really need to even know what she's experiencing internally. What I need to know is that she's feeling sad and that that is the soul's way of asking for connection and community. And when we break down emotions in that way, they're not, they're not nuisances. They're, they're these really beautiful, powerful things of ways that we get to see how our soul is experiencing the world and what it needs. And that, <laughs> that is like one of the most beautiful things I really loved. Like when I connected to sadness, I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think I would love sadness like this, but sadness is so cool because it's not what I expected it to be. Um, anger was a little bit more like, yeah, I, I got it. Like I understood it. Um, but anyway, so I wanted to come on here and share that that's pretty much what I have today. I hope it was helpful, you know, with the numbing to or exercising to numb versus to feel. It is a really important lesson that a lot of us have to learn. I know that I certainly did. I even now have to be very cognizant of am I exercising because like I'm connecting with the feeling of like joy and like just being in my body and stuff, or am I exercising because I don't want to feel something or I don't want to face something. Um, and hopefully you guys are able to start integrating some of this stuff into your own life so that you can feel your feelings so that you can have the vibrant, beautiful, emotional, emotion filled life that your soul deserves so that your soul can express itself and it's not restricted. Um, if you ever have any questions or, you know, you want me to explain something a little bit more, I know sometimes I, it's, I feel like it sounds understandable, but I know that I need to sometimes break it down to another level. 
um, always feel free to reach out to me. I hope you guys, especially, you know, going into it's a new season and stuff. Um, I hope you feel like inspired to get to know yourself, get to know your soul and experience the world, not see your emotions or your anxiety as something that's wrong with you. Your emotions are never something that's wrong with you. And I hope that these things that I discuss here help you with that evolution, help you with that transformation with your goals. Um, and I also hope that sharing a little bit of like the download I received about the emotion really helps you to see it in a different way. Let me know what you guys think or feel about that um, and how you're going to integrate that lesson for yourself or for the people around you. I know this episode was like, like I said, it, it, it was really about me letting it flow and stuff. It wasn't so much, it wasn't as planned out as some of my other episodes were. And, but I really, really loved sharing with you guys today. It felt very like heartfelt and heart. If there are particular, particular topics that you guys want to know about, learn about, um, anything like that, let me know in the DMS. It could be anything from like psychology and therapy to coaching to, um, to spiritual woo woo stuff. Um, all that kind of stuff. I love, I love, love, love talking about it. Um, so, and I love hearing from you guys and hearing your questions. It means so much to me that you are taking your time to listen and subscribe to my podcast. Uh, this has been such a beautiful journey and I'm so excited to continue to see how it changes and develops. I am so, so, so excited for my interview with Chelsea Jewel on Monday. She is just such a beautiful, vibrant, colorful, and expansive soul. Um, I had the privilege of working with her for a couple months um, for coaching, and it was just the most profound experience. I really grew in a lot of ways, and I am just so excited to share her knowledge and experience with you guys. So that, and you're not just hearing about my life experience and hopefully she will be the first of many interviews. I finally like figured out the interviewing from or remotely. So I have a list of people that I'm going to be interviewing. So I'm excited to continue this journey with you guys. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes, please like, rate, and subscribe to my podcast. It means so much to me and it really goes a long way. In addition, if you ever feel that you need guidance or help um, or someone to kind of just help you navigate the changes and challenges of life, you can always reach out to me or you can head to my website, which are in the show notes and discover which offer is best for you. If you can't decide, again, always feel free to reach out to me and we can figure out what, which offerings or what kind of service level is best for you in the area that you're at now. Thank you again so much. And I hope that you have a wonderful day and to see you next time. Bye-bye.